You're either you're either on the bus or you're off the bus. Welcome aboard. It's episode 12, our final off-season episode of Ride the Bus, the official I Have a Wild podcast, presented by Explore Minnesota. I'm Ben Gislason. He's Joey Goldstein. And we've reached not the beginning of the end, but the beginning of something different mm-hmm. uh, with our, our final off-season episode today. Landon Ferraro, a great guest. Um, we shared some laughs. Uh, we shared a sentimental journey, too. I, I thought it was the Riding the Bus podcast showing it's got a few different layers, and we, yeah. we can attack a guest uh, from a few different perspectives. We are very talented. <laughs> Extremely are very talented. diversified skill set. Yeah. Uh, no, but Landon was a, a wonderful guest, and uh, though he only spent a season and really season and a half, he was here for two seasons but only really played one full year. Uh, I know had a huge impact on the Wild community, on the Wild fan base, and certainly on the Wild team and on the league, as we talk about in being a Man, man of the year uh, mm-hmm. in the AHL, much like Dakota Mermis was recently. So a really good chat there. Uh, before we get to Landon, though, we have some tenure tidbits. Wanted to get to uh, covering a lot more ground than we're used to covering because yeah. we probably won't be back on doing an episode 13 podcast until, I'd imagine, maybe mid-October at this point. Yeah, no, that's uh, – yeah, we, we were just saying before, we'll probably – next time we do this, we'll probably be – Probably the week of our season opener, I would think. Maybe, maybe the week after. I don't know, but it'll mm-hmm. definitely be after we go through all this, all camps and everything. So yeah, so ten-year tidbits presented by Explore Minnesota. I'm very excited, as you can tell. I I don't know why I get excited to read these, but I do. Uh, Loves to show his reading ability. Yeah, which isn't great, but as <laughs> we learned last week. But it's okay. It's okay. It's, we're here to have fun. I'm there practicing. I'm just yes. practicing my reading. Apple picking, football, and pumpkin-flavored everything can only mean one thing. Fall has arrived in Minnesota. The Min Fall Passport will allow you to find your autumn adventures across the state while also enjoying savings along the way. Sign up for your free, fa- free passport oh, so close, at <laughs> exploreminnesota.com slash mnfall. That's slash m-n-f-a-l-l, minfall. Get your passport. We were talking about football before we started. Yep. Ben's a Vikings fan. Doesn't want to admit that they did look good uh, in their game against the Packers. We don't have to talk about the Patriots. Oh, I was – no, we're going to talk about the Patriots. I – so I was in <laughs> Chicago this weekend, and I left Chicago. Just I – I got taken to the cleaners. Didn't didn't do well with college football. Wasn't doing really well with the, with the NFL games early on. But we're, we're getting in – I land in Des Moines. And what's the first thing I see out my window on the right side is the Patriots plane. Patriots plane was in Des Moines. I do not know why. They were playing in Miami. Um, and I was like, oh, wow. This, I said, this is a sign. I said, this is a sign. The Patriots are going to win. And, and they, they didn't. Um, they it's didn't, a sign they that the Patriots win. weren't in Miami. They, that's, that's where they yeah, weren't. They yeah, were everywhere they were but Miami. Uh, yeah, so they weren't yeah, the Patriots there. didn't look good, but Minnesota looked good. But well, I, I'm it's not, nice. We had that nice fall feeling. Is this, this one of our too. tidbits? You just went right. From, no, I just right I'm just kind of rambling. To but it was you know it was about the read was called Minnesota Fall. So like that's what where my head went. We were just talking about it before we started. Had a nice cool crisp in the air this morning too. There's two types of Vikings fans, and then I'm moving on. There's Viking fans who are leaving that stadium thinking Super Bowl. This is how our fan base works. There is that sect. Sure. And there's also the sect that walks away and goes all smoke and mirrors. All not real, and that's the category well, you're in. Yeah, that's the category I'm in. Now, I it'll be interesting. I've I've learned is you 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 cannot take one week or even 
even a season and put the Vikings in a in a spot of success. You, okay. I will believe it when I see it, and otherwise I don't want to get myself too far down the road of, of expectation because I've been there before, and it's a cold, dark path to walk back from the high expectation hopes well, that you can have as a Vikings fan. We're only going to have a usually let down. We're only going to have a couple episodes between now and the time that the Patriots and the Vikings That's right. do play. They play Thanksgiving night, so for you guys listening, thinking out there, will we put another friendly wager on? We'll need to think of based something. Based off this so. week, maybe I'll get my first uh, on-podcast victory based off the way, the, Vi- yeah, way the Vikings played and the way that the Patriots played. But actually, a lot could change between then and yeah. now. So start thinking of some punishments <laughs> for us as we're going through you know, each week here. Our first official tidbit, prospect games coming up this week. We got hockey. In Chicago, awesome. uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, Minnesota Wild. It will be a heavily laden Iowa Wild lineup. Um, I, we've not announced the rosters yet, so I don't want to drop that here because that's not my responsibility <laughs> to do that. Um, <clears throat> but there will be Iowa Wild players there. Obviously, there will be uh, draft picks there, new draft picks, draft picks we've we've seen before that, that maybe aren't coming into camp quite yet. Um, but it, it's the wave of the future, and it's a chance to uh, for, for us as a staff, too, which is enjoyable to go out to Chicago um, uh, with the hockey operations staff and um, – Still waiting on whether or not they'll be streamed games um, from there. I, I think we're just waiting to see if Chicago has the capabilities uh, of, of doing any kind of a stream from their practice facility because uh, that's where we're going to be at. Uh, we're not playing at the United Center. So um, we'll have more information on that. If there's a way to tune into the game, I'll be out there. We're waiting to see if that's if that's an option or not. But if it is, I'll be on the call and we'll be able to bring some hockey action your way, which is uh, – it's. It, it has been a long time coming, but also the summers go so fast and maybe hasn't been a long yeah. time coming. But nonetheless, it's very exciting. It does feel like the first pillar of we're here and it's it's on. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a little different. I mean, you guys are going out there and we're playing, what, two games, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a yep. little different. I know some teams do, like, bigger prospect showcases where there's, um, I know in California, like a lot of the Pacific teams do it. I know Boston does it with New Jersey and Buffalo. I do it with a couple teams out there, but... Well, it used to be Traverse City for, yeah. for Minnesota. That was Traverse City, Michigan was it was the big. Uh, I think maybe Dallas was there, Detroit was there, mm-hmm. Chicago was there. A lot of the Midwest teams, St. Louis maybe too, went mm-hmm. up there. Um, but uh, the yeah, the, the Tom Curvers uh, prospect showcase that's been the namesake for it. Mm-hmm. It was last year at Tria, this year in Chicago. So I think it's going to be at least for the foreseeable future a back and forth between Minnesota and Chicago, traveling there, traveling back to St. Paul, and so on and so forth, which. Um, will be fun. Yeah. It's an exciting partnership to have. It'll be good for us, too. I mean, with it being, you know, a, a, kind of basically an Iowa lineup, like, mm-hmm. it's a, it's your, it's going to be your first real look, and if we can yep. stream it, our first real look at, you know, what this team is going to look like, what they're going to be able to showcase throughout the year. So certainly exciting. I'm excited to see when the roster comes out. Um, I'm sure that'll happen sometime this week with games this weekend. But, um, yeah, it's, ex- it's just nice to have. Could happen back, between you know? between today and tomorrow when this podcast goes live, and mm-hmm. then everyone will be asking why we didn't just unveil the roster on this podcast. Yeah. And so, like, you, I mean, I think you prefaced it pretty well. I it's think not so. your place to, no. to put it as out of there. recording time today. It's not out yeah, yet. If you want to blame anybody, you can blame Ben. But that's fair. You can't. You should blame that. Ben. Yeah, I'll you take shouldn't. that. It's really not his fault. Um, and then it really just moves on from there. I mean, it just you start to just knock down these doors. Walking towards the regular season, Minnesota's training camp beginning right pretty much when, when the team gets back from, from Chicago, the prospect team. Uh, mo- I think just about everybody that goes to that camp will stay for the Minnesota camp, mm-hmm. at least the opening few days of it, and then players will start to 
go back to junior, come down here from there. Um, and then obviously our camp gets going the first week of October. So uh, it, it's all here. W when you think about the season that's coming, um, we'll get to talking more about some of the things I think we're excited about uh, on the backside of this podcast. Um, other tidbits you wanted to get to before we get to Landon Ferraro? I don't. Nothing really rings <laughs> a bell. I think sounds like a no for me. There's, yeah. I mean, I know <laughs> that there's there's things coming down the pipeline, but nothing we're mm -hmm. ready to to rock and roll with now. But I'm sure we'll have, we'll definitely have more the next time we talk, since it'll be quite a gap. But um, I think we just throw it over to Landon and let it rip. One thing about the Ferrari interview that stood out most to you, uh, w without giving too much away, what was it? I mean, it was a it was a roller coaster of emotions, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, we said that it was kind of all over the place. Um, <laughs> the thing that stood out to me is is if you close your eyes and you listen to him speak, oh. it's like listening to his dad between the benches calling an NHL game. It's it's wild. They sound scarily similar. Um, but you know, we talked talking a little bit with him about whether or not media is something in his future. He's he really I think he wants to create his own path. Yeah. For what he the way he described was like really the first time being able to do something different. Um, so excited to you know have people get a, a kind of a peek behind the curtain on that aspect of things when you you got a high profile father who has kind of done the same things you have. It's a very rich, genuine interview. I, mm. I thought uh, it'll 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 give you a lot of different emotional points to to look at. Uh, whether it's uh, you know talking the great story about um, you know. The, the support that he showed his friend and Craig Cunningham, a story I didn't know actually ahead of the of the podcast interview. Obviously, the Craig Cunningham story, not a great one, a, a terrible uh, situation that arose with him health-wise, but the way that the, the hockey community rallied around him, landed and his family obviously rallied around him. Um, good coming from bad in that situation. So uh, that and plenty more. Uh, looking forward to letting you now uh, enjoy this great episode and this great podcast guest, Iowa Wild forward and alumni, also played for the Detroit Red Wings and the Boston Bruins. This is Landon Ferraro. Landon Ferraro is with us here today. Landon, we've been looking forward to this. How are things in Cologne, Germany currently, which I know is where you're at as we record this? Going pretty good. Uh, we got one preseason game left after a long, long training camp that we do over here, but uh, first game September 15th. So just kind of getting excited for the start of the year. Well, we're excited to talk to you. Uh, know you're somebody here that, that wasn't here a long time, but parts of two seasons. Know you had a, an injury in your, in your second season here. But nonetheless, there's a lot of people here that still remember Landon Ferraro, that remember uh, you out there on the ice, remember the impact you had, obviously, off the ice as man of the year in the American Hockey League. So we're excited to talk to you. Uh, as we start, as we started with all but one guest that we had, because I forgot last week, yep. our opening question that we have, this is called the Ride in the Bus podcast. So we want to try to put our listeners and our viewers on the bus next to you, Landon, and sharing stories, swapping fun tidbits about your time. When you, when you think about your time on the bus, I'm sure you've had plenty of it, one or two stories that pop up that you could share with, with our viewers that you think about and laugh about in your time on the bus? Uh, I mean, honestly, for me, a lot of the bus was cards or watching movies. So, you know, Cal O'Reilly always sat in the, uh, in the one chair that was set the little two-seater table, and I'd sit on the couch on the other side, and he'd keep score for seven up, seven down games and and different card games we'd play. So I honestly, I was never very good at the card games, but I loved just giving it to him, trying to mess him up and scoring. That was my only chance, really, of, 
of having a successful trip. Uh, and then honestly, just watching Patty Canoni the first year, like he's just such a character that between him and Alex Grant kind of bickering at each other, like an old married couple, <laughs> you'd have some pretty good interactions going on the bus there. That's for sure. Can you think of any of the arguments? Did any stand out to you? Do you remember the, the, the topics of what those arguments were at all? Oh, I mean, it could be anything from you made the wrong choice of snacks when we stopped it. You know, <laughs> we always hit that world's biggest truck stop yep, there. I-80. And, you, know, you know, you always kind of rock, paper, scissors. We had to go in and grab them. And, you know, you'd always come out with the wrong thing. Or And Alex and, uh, and, and Patty would go back and forth pretty good at that. And, Honestly, you just try and sit there and just hold it together because you know they're just going to keep going and going and going. All right, so let me ask you. Stop at the, these, the world's largest truck stop. You're going in to grab yourself some snacks. What are you getting for the road trip? Well, I mean, if we're coming home from the road trip, but luckily I'm the, uh, the little guy that I could eat anything I ever wanted and not a pound goes on. I'm kind of lucky that way. <laughs> um I mean, that Taco Bell sitting there next, I think it's next to a Wendy's. Not that a professional athlete should be saying they love that too at four in the morning <laughs> coming back from games. But that was a pretty uh, pretty good pretty good stop for us. And then, honestly, any type of candy. I've like, I'm like a little kid. Like, I love all the sweets, all the candy. Not a big chocolate person, but anything with excess sugar. That's right up, right up my alley. So like, are you more of a Skittles guy? Are you more like the gummies, like Sour Patch Kids kind of play? Yeah, Sour Patch Kids. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say no if you come over and bring me a bag of Skittles, but definitely going the gummy way. Got it. Landon Farrell's looking for added sugar. Some people yeah. look for no added sugar. You're looking for the added as sugar. As much added sugar I like as that. possible. Well, I can, tell you, I can tell you that the current crops, they still, and who knows if someone will be upset with me for saying this, but they still check out that Wendy's pretty hard uh, at about 4 a.m. coming back from whether it's Rockford or Chicago or Milwaukee. Nothing's changed. Uh, they, they learn from their predecessors there for sure. Um, it, Landon, I'm, I'm curious when, I, looking through your career, I see obviously a, a great stint in Grand Rapids, and we're going to talk about that because it was before the Wild were in existence, so we're not going to be stepping on anyone's toes there. Um, but you also, Grand Rapids and, and Des Moines are two of the places that are, people call them sleeper cities in the American Hockey League because unless you go there and get to see it or live there, you maybe don't think as much about it or think as fondly about it as when you get some time to spend there. You've spent time in both of those cities. Why do you think people call them sleeper cities? I mean, just, you don't, well, because you never hear about them growing up. Like, you know, I, I know where Iowa was. I know where, I mean, no, I didn't know where Grand Rapids was, but, you know, I know where Detroit is. And so you don't really know what you're walking into. And, you know, being 20 and going into Grand Rapids, you know, there's, I don't know how many different college campuses going on. There's, you know, there was Beer City USA for however many years. And then the support that the, you know, that the community brings, it's, it's unbelievable. And then, you know, coming over to Iowa, you know, I definitely didn't expect the passion of the fans, you know, they, you know, even in the two years I was there, you could see as the teams were getting better, that more and more were coming and there's more excitement around the city, but then just affordability, living entertainment, it's, it's kind of everything you could ask for. And, you know, of all the places I've, I've played and, you know, don't get me wrong, there's, beautiful places but those are two that you know i could happily you know move to live in and 
you know, be happy in retirement. It's, you know, I was pretty lucky, you know, getting to spend a good amount of time in both places. You bring up game one as a 20 year old in Grand Rapids on your way through, you find your way in Iowa towards the end of your AHL career. Now you're in, in the Dell over in Europe and Germany, 354 games between game one and game 354 with the Iowa wild. What changed about you over that stretch? What did you learn? I mean, so much, you know, quickly a little off. I mean, it's my first actual game was after my 18 year old year. I, you know, I got to come up after my year ended in, uh, in Red Deer and I was so excited. It was in Grand Rapids and you know, I'm, I'm not that I've ever been a big guy, but I was, you know, even a little, a little smaller then. And, you know, I'm just like, okay, like this is, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's pro game. It's, you know, I'm trying to be so focused and ready and, just before warm up, I'm standing to go out, and Gordy Howe walks around the corner holding his little dog. I'm just like, I just froze. I honestly don't remember anything of that warm up. I just every couple of seconds, I'd be going around, like, that was Gordy Howe. Like, what is happening here? But, you know, that was something that Detroit does so well is there's always alumni around, even in Grand Rapids, you know, for four years, you know, guys that would come down to work with us between Yuri Fisher, Chris Maltby. Uh, Draper, uh, who else would have been? And then, well, Mike Knubel was then practicing. Like, it's just like the list goes on and on. And and you just, you know, there's always someone to talk to. Everyone's always approachable for, you know, and then for a young kid, you know, you have so many questions. There's, you know, going from junior to pro, you think you're ready. You're nowhere near ready, right? Like, you know, I think you finish at the rink and, and the day's done. Then you have to figure out how to cook for yourself, clean it, not clean an apartment, but attempt to a clean apartment. You know, like there's just so much that goes into it that before you know it, you start to get a little distracted at the rink and then the older guys can kind of help reel you back in. And that's where you learn to be a pro. Do you think the biggest adjustment for most people, and maybe you can answer this for yourself and that would help answer it for others, but is the bigger adjustment on the ice or off the ice coming out of junior and going into pro, do you think? At the beginning, it's definitely off the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, one, there's you know, there's no one there to supervise you anymore. There's no curfew calls. There's no you know anyone kind of looking over your shoulder, and you know, so it's you know, you find out real quick who's who's there to be a real pro and who's there to have a fun pro career, and that's you know, it's two very different things. And you know, I was lucky enough, you know, in my first you know first year there, we had you know a pretty veteran team. You know, you know, the top half was all pretty old, and then there was about eight of us rookies that came in at once. So, you know, we got to kind of lean on each other, and you know, kind of, you know, kind of take take the heat of the older guys when you know we'd show up for practice. And you know, some days you just weren't quite focused, and that was the quickest thing you had to learn was you know whether you were feeling good or feeling bad, or or you know things going on at home or whatever you know, you're there to work. It's not just fun anymore. It's not something you do outside of school. It's, it's a job. And if I don't do my job and my 33 year old winger at the time, you know, I don't give him, give him his passes doing all that. You know, I might cost him another contract. The guy's got two kids at home. Like there's, you know, there's things you have to start to understand that it's, it's serious. It's a business. That's a fascinating viewpoint, right? (laughs) And, 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 And I've talked about it with so many people 
that it is a business. But what you just said right there, I've never, I've never looked at it that way. I feel like a lot of people yeah. don't think about it that way. Like it's, I mean, it is obviously everybody knows and everybody says it's a business, but I don't think anybody looks at it in that light where like it's. I like, don't make a pass. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I a, mean, you, I mean, you, you don't think about it. It's it's going to work every day. You don't think about it as truly having to perform and, and helping other people provide in their own mm-hmm. personal life. That's a totally different being way being a good to look coworker. It, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's yeah. a simpler way to put it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah like, honestly, though, like it, it, it travels to everything. Yeah. It's, it's if you don't do your part that you've signed up for the guy next to you or the woman next to you is not going to be able to do their part because mm-hmm. the, the link's missing all of a sudden. So, you know, and especially in that second year when we, you know, we ended up winning and called their cup, those, you know, the biggest thing that Grand Rapids did was they brought in Jeff Hogan, who you guys obviously had in Iowa as well. And, I mean, he was someone that I, you know, I played with him for a lot of the year and I leaned on him a ton. We had, you know, kind of similar backgrounds of, you know, smaller towns, you know, when we were, when we were born and, and from BC and, you know, kind of had to kind of earn your way to, to kind of get everything. And, you know, that's someone that I respected so much. And I mean, he was 34, 35 when he came in and the guy was absolutely shredded still. (laughs) And you're like, you could see every stride he took was, was work. You know, he was, he put a lot of hard miles on his body, but man, no one was going to stop him. And that was, you know, that's something that I've, you know, definitely tried to bring into my game with a lot less muscle. (laughs) That, uh, that 2013 Calder cup team, any championship team you talk to, you look at, you can see the talent, you can see the skill, you have to have it to win. But I always like to ask players like yourself that have won a championship, what was the most underrated part about that team that you think really helped bring you there aside from uh, the, 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 the things that are easy to see on paper? The amount that, you know, you look at that team, you know, if you look at the Calder Cup and you look at the names etched in, you know, we had some unbelievable players that are having long NHL careers. But for a lot of that season, they they were with us, and then they were called up. Like they were always in and out, um, and not to say that they didn't have a big part in because they were massively huge in us winning that. But like we were so deep, you know. We like over here in Germany, like you know, the German leagues. What's a really good league, and and you know, I'm playing with one now in Louis Mark Aubrey, and I play against Trevor Parks. It's in Munich. You know, Parts has led the league in, in goals for, I think, the last three years or so. Mm-hmm. Like, unbelievable players. They couldn't get in our lineup. Like, it was, you know, I, I ended up leading the league or leading the team in goals. And for when Detroit lost out and Yoko Anderson, Nyquist, and a couple other guys came down, I was on the fourth line. Like that's how deep our team was. It was with, and then Peter Mrazek's rookie year, like the kid was just unbelievable. It was, it was just so fun, but there was, and I haven't been on a team since like it, but it didn't matter what game you were in. We could be down three going into the third and you're like, well, we'll figure it out. Like it just, it could just happen. And it was so much fun. So always having that belief that no matter what the situation is, you guys are going to win, come out on top. And I think that's pretty similar with, people we've talked about that have won in the past, just n- never wavering in the confidence in the guys in the room and the group that you guys have. So that's seems like a pretty common trait. And 
Sounds like being a Patriots fan compared to being a Vikings fan. Yeah. You don't get that well, in the Vikings fan. You always think, what could go wrong not like, in the not Patriots lately, fan? lately, I guess, but <laughs> in the past, sure. <laughs> um, you do get some chances with the Red Wings while you're with the organization, but really your best National Hockey League season, 58 games in, in Beantown with the Boston Bruins. I always love asking this question to players that have that have toiled in the American League but then have gotten a chance to, to stick with an NHL team, whether it's one season, five seasons, ten seasons. You're one of those of people, Landon. What do you see as the biggest differentiators between the players that find a way to stick and those that stay on the fringe, that get a call up here, that get a call up there, but they can't find a way to stick, even if it is for a season like you did? Honestly, I think the biggest thing is just finding what – where you're at, like I was in Grand Rapids trying to make Detroit and finding what's going to get you to the next level. Like I was always a scorer, but you know, I'm 23, 24, looking to make a team. There's Pavel Datsuk, there's Henrik Zetterberg, there's Nyquist coming up, there's Tatar coming up. Like there's skill everywhere. And well, I wasn't as good as them. So find a way to do it. And and then on top of that, having the right people in the right place at the right time, you know, and for me, that was Jeff Blaschel. Um, you know, I had had a very good year, scored a decent amount of goals, and he told me right at the start of the season I wasn't going to play power play. He's like, you know, if we have some injuries or call-ups, of course you'll be doing it, but I'm not going to play you on the power play at all. You're going to kill every penalty you're, you'll start and, and end up each kill, and you'll play a ton of five-on-five five and four-on-four. Four. He's like, we know that you can score, but we know if you want to make the NHL, you got to be able to PK, you got to be able to block shots and chip in on the side. But, you know, your main focus has to be this. He's like, you can be back on the power play at any time. Just come talk to me but you're just going to have a great American League career. And, you know, you could take that one of two ways, and I definitely took it the first way for the first couple minutes, pretty pissed. But uh, but then you start to think about it, and you're like, well, he's, he's right. Like, where am I going to fit in there until I start doing this stuff? And I ended up, you know, I think I did a pretty good job on the PK. I, I led the league in shorthanded goals with six or seven that year. Like, it everything went right. And then before I knew it, I was finishing the season in Detroit and playing seven playoff games and starting the season there next year. So it's, you know, it's just about finding that little opening and either you're going to go for it or you're not, you're either going to be able to get in the shot lane and, and know that's not going to feel good, but it could get me to the next level. And I mean, I've worked my entire life. Why would I not at least try it? So, Back in, in Boston, so game one, you had a pretty unique opportunity. You come out in your first game, you score what we think was a goal, and that ends up, it ends up getting credited to Brad Marchand, but your father, Ray, who is a very well-known broadcaster uh, around the hockey world, is on that game, and you get a chance to talk to him between the benches, which I don't think has ever happened where the father's interviewed his son mid-game like that. Have you Now that it's been a couple of years like removed from that moment, have you had time to really think back, like how special that was for the two of you? Yeah, we we talk about it, you know, every once in a while. It'll someone will ask about it, or we'll just be having a coffee out, you know, that when I go up and hang out at his place or something in the summer, and it definitely comes up, and it's you know, it's such a cool moment for for both of us and our family, right? Like, you know, to be able just 
for him to have the career he had and then move in, you know, pretty seamlessly into, into media and, and get to that stage where he's broadcasting the hockey night or the uh, hockey hall of fame game. And then for me to be able to get to that point as well, like it's already crazy, but then to have that, I mean, I wish I would have been able to enjoy it more at the moment. I mean, I just wanted to get out of there so bad. <laughs> I'm like, I knew it was going to happen, but like as I was going off the ice for the end of the period, because you don't, you know, it's not off the bench in Toronto. It's, you know, a couple, 10 feet down or so. And as I'm going, no one said anything. I'm like, perfect. I'm like, keep, we're not, it's not happening. Like, even better. <laughs> I'm like, it, like, you know, for hockey guys, like the hockey world's so small. You generally know a player or two whenever you get traded or waivers or you sign with a new team. I didn't know one person in Boston. Wow. So it was, I got there the night before. I, I knew Jonas Gustafsson just from camp a little bit, but I mean, I wouldn't say that I would know him to sit down and have a dinner and feel great about it, you know, like, <laughs> so I'm like, I don't even know half these guys' first names yet. I know nicknames from watching SportsCenter and from other guys talking about them. Like, I just want to get back into the dressing room so bad. And then they tap me on the shoulder to go out. Uh like I just, you know, I answered the questions. I tried to have a smile on my face. I'm like, I know this is cool. Like, don't be ungrateful. But like, I just want to get out of here. But you know, I'll, you know, I'll watch it every you know, once a year or something randomly. And just being able to see more his excitement is pretty cool. Is that something that I, obviously you're still active, still playing? Have you ever thought about? after hockey like is does that interest you at all kind of following that that same path getting onto the media side yeah for sure i mean i think like i would love coaching i think um like that's always really really interests me but at the same time i've never lived in one spot more than four years my whole life like i was born in trail bc Two weeks later, we were in Long Island, then we are in New York, then we are in L.A., then we are in Atlanta, then we moved to Vancouver. I was there for a few years, then I moved myself to Red Deer, and it just keeps going on and on from there, right? So the thought of whether you're a good or bad coach, you're going to get fired. Like, it <laughs> is just going to happen. And I'm like, I don't know if I could do that. So I look at his where, you know, he travels a ton, but he has his home base in Vancouver and you know, again, to see how he's still involved in the game, but in a way where he actually just gets to enjoy it. Like, you look at some of these coaches and GMs, and, I mean, like, they clearly love it. Like, the passion for it's there, but, like, it gets to the end of the year. Like, they are strung out. Like, mm -hmm. it is a lot of work that people don't see behind, behind doors, especially the assistants. Like, the hours of video they're watching a day, I don't, I don't know if that's, if that's for me. Um and, you know, luckily when I was in Iowa, you know, I was unlucky to be hurt, but, you know, to have, uh, you know, Joe O'Donnell, obviously you guys know, everyone does there, but to have I've heard him of him. And, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He'd let you know if you hadn't. <laughs> so, I mean, but, you know, for him to, you know, just to ask me like, hey, do you want to come up in the booth for a couple of games and just do as much or as little as you'd like, you know, just having that exposure to it. And he's done it with so many guys too. And I don't think he realizes that that can spark something for, you know, a guy that, you know, I didn't go to college. I don't have, you know, an extra degree or anything like, you know, my life has been hockey and, 
know, hopefully I can find a home when I'm done playing somewhere in hockey. And well, just by him giving me that chance, you know, it, you know, it starts a little, little spark in there and you start watching games, not only the players, but then you start listening more and, and trying to take as much as you can. And the only thing that is brutal is like, do I really want to follow dad twice or, <laughs> like, or do create I your own path here my own way it just we're a little too similar so i, I feel like it kind of looks that way but we'll see it's crazy right when we we sat down to do this and you started talking i was like oh my gosh and i and yeah. i don't mean to you know to make you you know bashful about that but i was like goodness honestly it's like Ray Fry, it. it's crazy it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah it's ridiculous I, I hear it once a week like my coach and <laughs> clone here is Uwe Krupp. Yeah. And my dad and Uwe played with each other in Long Island. And I'm a, you know, a little bit of a hothead myself on, you know, on the, on the ice and around. And so I'll start yelling something and I'll get a little, little kick in the back of the leg. And he, I kind of look up and just shaking his head. Like, you're just like your dad, like you got to stop. And like, <laughs> you're right. I know my bad. Uh... <laughs> I can settle down again. But I, I hear that all the time. I bet. Um, I'm interested. Do you remember going up in the booth? We've done this a couple of times, a couple of players in my tenure now with the wild and some guys have come back and said, boy, it's a lot different than what I thought. You, you think you can talk about the game because you obviously know the game better than 99% of the world. But some guys get up into the booth and they go, boy, it's different. Do you remember it being different than what you expected it to be at all? When you put the headset on for the first time? Oh, for sure. I got Joe to send me that clip or like that the first game because there's a tv game i got him to send it and like in my head i'm like i nailed that like <laughs> i did pretty good and i remember it was like the second sentence it's like i said 35 words without stopping and probably only six different ones like i was just stuttering right through it and it's like but in your head you're like you have this clear thought but being able to articulate it without sounding rushed or, you know, like, for lack of a better word, dumb. Like, it's, <laughs> it's hard to do, right? Like, like you see a play, like, I remember they were playing San, or, uh, San Antonio, and I can't remember the D's name, but he was a young kid. It was his first year. And, you know, I knew him from playing that, like, he was a pretty good player. And he had made a couple really good plays, and we get to the next little commercial break or whatever, and Joe's just giggling away like i'd said his name wrong three times in a row but it was like i was i was trying to like pump him up so i'm like he's you know he's a lot of confidence for a 20 year old defenseman and i'm just butchering it all over the place like it was it was tough but i mean i, I really really liked it well and that's how everybody starts uh, i mean that there's only one way to get good at broadcasting and that's to go on and make massive mistakes the unfortunate <laughs> part for you was you had to start at the american league level where the rest of us get to start where nobody else is listening so we can make those mistakes and nobody hears it and you uh, don't have your dad who does it professionally that being too. able to look back on and say what were you thinking but at the same time if you do go into that, those pastures, I'd imagine in the hockey side, he's been a wealth of knowledge for you. He will be as well in, in that space to, to boot if you end up going in that path. So um, I'll be curious to see where, where the, if there's another Ferraro popping onto TSN anytime soon. Um, time away from the rink in Iowa. I want to get to that because I've got some good stories about the, the season that you were unfortunately injured. But you did play uh, a good amount your first year there. Going into your second year, you didn't get to be a part of that Calder Cup playoff run. You were a part of the team. You weren't on the ice. But nonetheless, 
were you able to feel what the fans, the staff were feeling? I wasn't here for it, but I was told by so many people that it was so, so, so important to everybody that had been here for some tough seasons going into the 18-19 season. Did the players feel how important it was to get to the playoffs that year, not only for you guys as a group, but for the entire organization? I mean, for sure. Um, I would say it wasn't that they, there was, I mean, there was obviously an expectation to take another step as an organization and, and make the playoffs. Like that was, that was very clear. I'm not going to sit here and say that it wasn't talked about, but it was also just a very different feeling. You know, all the young guys got a year older. We brought in a couple of better, you know, newer players that helped, you know, help kind of move the process along. And it turned into one of those. It wasn't, okay, we, you know, we got to get into playoffs. It's like, no, we're good enough to be there. Just don't get in our own way at this point. And, you know, kind of the first part of your question, they're like, you know, could I feel what the players, the excitement there and then the fans and like, I wasn't, you know, like you said, I wasn't really there to be on the ice and do all that. You know, I ended up doing a ton of community stuff. And so it was like, I almost got to see it from both sides while it was happening you know, everywhere I would go to do different community things, like there was more and more people showing up. There's more and more excitement. And, and not only that, but like they knew the players' names. They knew what was going on. They knew who we had coming the next weekend. Like it was a very engaged fan base and it was, it was cool to see. And then going back into the room and kind of just seeing, you know, just that kind of that next level of commitment that, you know, guys really have bought in there. And, you know, that's, you know, Cal O'Reilly, who's, he's got to be one of the best captains that's, you know, that's played. He's, and there's a reason he keeps getting signed to go play for different American league teams, because everyone knows that their rookies are going to be in good hands. And not only that, but still get an exceptional player. Um, you know, like, before you knew it, there was five on five games going on after practice for 45 minutes. Like guys just didn't want to leave the rink. They're having so much fun. And, you know, to be completely honest, like for me in my position, watching that was the worst and best thing that I needed at that time, because it took us, you know, it took us a year to figure out what was going on with me. Uh, we thought I just, you know, was, my groin just kept getting pulled and, you know, I ended up being my adductor tore off and I had hernia. So, you know, my career wasn't looking too good at the time and, and watching that, you know, like that kind of gave me that you know, a little extra fire. I'm like, I'm not done. Like that's looks so much fun. And, you know, I remember I would sit in the same exact seat on the couch uh, for the games with the trainers and stuff and hang out with all of them. And one, they made my year awesome. Like I had so much fun getting to hang out with them, but watching Cal, you know, intercept that pass, go on, uh, you know, go on the breakaway and, you know, and win the series was, I'm like, like, I'm, I'm doing that. Like, I'm not, I'm not ending this way. So, I mean, it was such a cool year watching them and seeing how far they could go. But then for me, you know, where it was, you know, my career might've been done. It, you know, it, it gave me the extra little bit that I, I needed to, you know, make it through that season. It was a long year kind of by myself and and make it through that summer. And, you know, and it's it's been pretty good since. That was an exceptional walkthrough of that season, Landon. There's a lot of things I know Joey and I both want to follow up on mm -hmm. about that. Um, 
I wanted to specifically ask before we talk man of the year, because Joey specifically wants to talk about that because you were instrumental in helping Dakota Mermis get that this season for mm-hmm. us. And I know you'll be able to ask a lot more tactful questions than I will because you've been in that process more so than I. But you bring up the, the trainers, you bring up the, the staff attendants. Um, I've, I've spoken with these guys when, when, when I talked to Kevin Flynn said that I was going to sat down with you. He instantly said, please give our best to Lando, uh, from Kyler White, Derek Hender, uh, as well as Mike Grasso. Those are guys that kind of became your brothers that season. Uh, what can you tell us about the fun you guys had? Because I know they were setting your stall up in, in the, in the, oh, in the yeah. lounge. <laughs> they had man of the year stickers everywhere. I mean, I, it sounds like you guys really created a, a camaraderie there that, I'd imagine at the beginning of the season, you probably never thought you'd have. No, I mean, like from the year before, I know they were good guys and you'd mm-hmm. hang out with them in the room. Like there's a, you know, as much as, you know, what we were saying at the start, like, you know, it's a business and it's serious. Like there was a lot of downtime and a lot of fun time at the rink. That's why it's one of the best jobs in the world. Like where do you get to go in? And there's, you know, 30 people that you're like, well, this is kind of fun. Like we get to just kind of hang out and work out shorts and, and have a coffee before I go for a workout. Like, that's perfect. But, you know, that next year with those guys, you know, just sitting in the lounge, like the amount of time I spent, I don't know if you guys still have that brown couch in there, but on the left side of it, I that was my spot. And, you know, like you said, they'd have my all my gear set up in there. One game I came in for, like, you know, just my entire stall got moved in there. <laughs> as much as you're like, oh, you, like, you know, you yeah. like, you just like, I'm like, how am I going to get you back? But I like that. Like, you know, maybe, you know, the things that I couldn't really do with the guys because I wasn't around and, and in the room all the time I got to have with them and, you know, topics from, you know, their roller hockey to ones racing. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a car guy, but like racing in like this, uh, what are they like the dirt track circle, sure. like Cersei would do like, you know, just so many different things. And, and then, you know, just making little side bets for, you know, who's got to go get, you know, the next round of waters or Gatorades or whatever, you know, you know which team's going to take the next penalty would sit there. I'm like, okay, you know, the other team's taking it. And then, you know, Kyler would have to go get the Gatorades. It's like just little things, right? Just to pass time. But at the same time, like you're having fun where you work in a really difficult situation for me, you know, like it made the year not, not just bearable, but fun and entertaining, which was, which was huge for not having the other aspect. Speaking of bets, I heard there is still, uh, money on the table between you and Kyler white. There was a weight loss bet that season and he beat you. And apparently pizza and cookies are still owed is what I've been told coming into this interview. Do you have any comments on this? I've setting this this up a few times now, but hold on. Let's just make sure because I definitely wasn't trying to lose weight. I was trying to gain it. I can't remember what the numbers were, but he was trying to get down to a number. I was trying to get up to a number. And he had a lot more to go down than I had to go up. He (laughs) crushed me in it. But, of course, I don't know this before the fact that he's done this a few times before where he gained a little weight. But then I didn't realize he's an absolute workhorse. And as soon as he decides, okay, I'm going to start working out, like it was just melting off of him. But he hustled. I'm like, I got no chance. <laughs> oh, but no, we tried to set it up. And then uh, what happened? He ended up missing the game. I, I ordered pizzas and he missed that game. So he missed his chance. It's not my fault. I delivered. 
That's we'll make sure this gets to yeah. him. Yeah, it'll we'll get, make sure this it'll gets get to him. Please, sure. yeah. he'll end up sending me another message. <laughs> it's all right. It's <laughs> awesome. Uh, I do want to talk about uh, the man of the year because, like Ben had mentioned, you know, we had Dakota Mermis win this past year, but you were the first person for this organization to win that award for the league. Um, and I know it says a lot about obviously the work that the Wild have done in the community from their time here, beginning in 2013, all the way up until where we were last year. But for you, that award was very special because it, it tied back into your you know childhood friendship with Craig Cunningham and all that he went through. So can you talk a little bit about like I guess that kind of how that whole season really came together and and you know from you finding out what happened to Craig to how you wanted to help him and and kind of just support him through all that he was going through during that time? Yeah, I mean, like when it happened, I was playing in Chicago and like uh, finished a game. I came back out and I wasn't, I'm not a guy that as soon as I get off the ice, I go check my phone. Like, you know, I get undressed and take my time. And for whatever reason that night, I put my helmet and gloves down and I walked into the little, uh, you know, dry room and I looked at my phone and there was a bunch of missed calls and texts and a lot you know, I, I don't know the number, but like, you know, I'll call it 15 text messages from my dad and they're sitting up top and I click it and just call me. You need to call me now. And so I call and you know, he tells me what happened. And I talked to Heather, his mom later that night. And, you know, she told me, you know, if you want to see him, you got, you got to get down here because we don't know how long he has. So, you know, I, luckily the team let me fly right down there and, I was down there the next day and told oh, it was it was tough um but you know skipping ahead a little bit like he because of who he is and he's just such a like there's no there's never no in him like he no matter what happens like he's had a he's had a lot of things happen to him through his life that a lot of us would just kind of crumble under and he would just put his head down and keep working and and as soon as I had the opportunity in Iowa, like I got there at camp and I can't remember who I, I had asked first up in the front office, but I'm like, you know, I'd like to do something, you know, along the lines with, you know, the Iowa Heart Foundation. And, you know, I have my buddy here that, you know, I'd like, you know, every goal I score or point, I can't remember what I said because I had very barely anything that year from not playing anyway. So, um, like, you know, I want to donate money and, and that's where, like you're saying, like, you know, I won that one and Mervis won it this year. Like, yeah, we get the award, but other than me saying that, you know, I want to do this, like the front office just took it and just ran with it and made it to the point where all I had to do was show up to the different things that they had set up and like, they put in so much work and, and you can see that it wasn't because it was their job or, or because it was a player asking them, Hey, I need help with this. You know, can you get this done? Like they were, they were enjoying it as much as I was and, and being able to go around to the hospital and meet different kids and, and have all those opportunities. It was, it was pretty special. Like it was, you know, again, like a lot of things went really right for me that year. Once you take away the hockey, like, mm. You know, other parts of life really, you know, I, I gave myself time to, to find different things. But for that, like, it was just such a special cause to me that 
it was fun to get me out and you know, I'd have bad days where you know, my rehab, I take a couple steps back after I thought I was finally kind of progressing a bit and I'm, you know, I'm slamming stuff around and you know, I'm not happy. And then I have to get in the car and drive over to the hospital and go talk to a kid that you know, he's just gone out of his like, you know, his third surgery in the past few months on his heart. You're like, what am I complaining about? Right. Like I, I'm living a, like a pretty good life here. And, and then seeing, you know, just these little kids and their parents, just how strong they are. Like it's, it's unbelievable. And then every time, you know, I'm calling Craig through this while he's going through his rehab and like, there's just so much positivity around me that, you know, in all these dark places, but so much positivity that, you know, it can't help but make you feel better. And you're like, I have so much going for me that I can't complain about that. You know, I got to make sure I don't waste all these opportunities, you know? Yeah, that's one of the, I feel like all years of doing community work, all the hospital visits and things like that. It, it Every guy says that, that basically that same thing, you know, really, you can have a terrible day at the rink. You could be having the worst day, but then when you go, <clears throat> it really puts things in perspective. And it, that's, I think that's what the hockey community is so great about is being involved and, and giving back and, and giving, you know, putting a smile on somebody else's face is, is just as important. I think everybody's done a great job with that. I mean, looking back, he raised over $5,000 for the All Heart Foundation, <clears throat> which is phenomenal to do. So credit to you for getting that done. Do you and Craig talk often still? Yeah, he's uh, incredibly bad with his phone. So we we talk as much as we possibly can, but he's notorious for, yeah, yeah, I'll give you a call back in five minutes. And then a week later, he's like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, did you forget again? Oh, you're right. I'm so still right. waiting on that phone call. <laughs> oh, man, it's unbelievable. But no, like, you know, with COVID, it's until this summer had been, well, you know, the two and a half years since almost three years since I'd seen him and, you know, a lot of FaceTime and obviously a lot of phone calls. And, you know, he finally got back up this summer for my wedding and like just being able to be around him again. It's, you know, it's awesome. He's, you know, we're, he's a late 90 birthday. So, you know, we kind of grew up in the same age, you know, age range in hockey. And, you know, we went to junior one year before me, but we turned pro the first year together. You know, we went through so many stages of our life at the exact same point. We lived together in the summers for three summers in Vancouver, and we spent a lot of time together. And, you know, even now, he's, he's a scout for Vegas, and he's, he's doing great. And, um, you know, everything's kind of rolling in the right direction for him, you know, again. Um, but, like, he's just one of those guys that I'm still playing, and... You know, if he didn't have the incident that he was playing, like we'd always talked about being able to come over to Europe and, and, you know, try and play on the same team and stuff like that. Like it would have been really, really cool. But I mean, he's just so pumped that I'm still going. I've had, you know, you know a bunch of injuries and a lot of, a lot of things to get through. And, you know, it's just, you know, mutual respect and a lot of pride, you know, for the other person, what they've, what they've been through. We haven't had a lot of sentimental, profound moments on this podcast. This, this one has really been yeah. that, uh, Landon, and I'm very grateful that you've shared all that you have. My final question for you is this. The injuries, the Craig Cunningham incident, and the support that you and your family showed him during that time, 
every player has a different story, has a different fabric of their career. Yours is one that certainly seems arduous and that you've had to overcome a lot, whether it's for yourself or people close to you. What have you learned about yourself in this journey that you're still on in your hockey career? One, that I love the game. You know, I, I don't say it and, you know, I knew it, but like when it's, when it's almost gone and you see it taken from, from others, like, man, I'm lucky. It's like, you know, I'm over here, this, you know, my fourth year over and, you know, did, did I have the 10 year, 15 year career that I definitely would have 100% guaranteed you at 15 because, you know, every kid knows like, well, that's my future. But, you know, it all, all almost ended a few times and I battled through. I've, I've made a career again for myself over here. I you know, hopefully can play another four or five years. But, you know, out of that, you know, I got to go to the Olympics last year. Like that was never on a radar, right? And it just kind of, you know, kind of shows if you just keep working, like you don't know where life's going to take you or what opportunities present, you know, present themselves to you. So you just, keep going it doesn't matter if it's on the ice or in life like you just man, you gotta there's no other way to do it but just put your head down and work yeah you brought it up I was going to ask about the Olympics I mean being able you've had the chance you know earlier in your career to represent Team Canada at the junior level but being able to do it at the Olympic level I mean that's a highlight for anybody no matter what sport you're partaking in to be able to represent your country in an event like that you had a chance to play in Beijing so like what was that experience like for you being able to go over there and just play in that, not only play in the Olympics, but just be a part of the festivities and everything going on surrounding, you know, those, those couple weeks. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really, really cool. Obviously um, it was tough in some ways, but then we had to keep reminding ourselves with the things that were tough. That was the reason why we were there and not the NHL guys. So, you know, again, just, you know, kind of, dial it back and then just you know realize take the look up again and you see the olympic rings or you look down and you're in your all your red that all the lulu stuff that we were wearing at the olympics and and then to be able to you know i obviously i didn't get to play the first you know the round robin and and then i got to play the quarterfinal against sweden where we eventually lost but just to put that jersey on and it was it was unbelievable it was i mean Growing up, I knew, I don't want this to sound cocky or anything like that, but I, I knew I would play in the NHL. Without a doubt, I knew that was going to happen. I wasn't going to let anything stop me. But as soon as I get got a little older, you know, 12, 13, like that Olympic team is so far out of my realm. Like you look at the players that Canada sends and you're like, okay, I need about 700 Canadians to sprain an ankle a week before <laughs> before I get my call. So for that, like getting that call, like I remember when he called and you know, they said, uh, you know, like you made the team and I'm just sitting there and you're like, it's like, you're just absolutely buzzing. Like, it's just, it was such a surreal moment and being able to call my parents and everyone, like it was so cool. It was such a, such a great experience. And then, you know, we finish up and get to go watch the Canadian women's team win gold and, you know, have, you know, have some victory drinks with them after and stuff like it was just the pride of your country that you lose for us because we all play for our pro teams but for a lot of these athletes that's they train four years for these one event mm -hmm. 
and they put all of it into it and just seeing how much they're dedicated to it and like you can't help but get even more you know excited with the surroundings you're in it's pretty electric in there like walking around the village and stuff it's pretty cool and you uh, something you can always say forever you're an olympian i know i don't know if you're a, a tattoo guy or not but i know a lot of the the athletes will get the olympic rings tattooed one way or another somewhere on them so it's just they have it with them obviously forever is that something that you either have or you're planning on getting i, said, I told myself i told myself before that the only way i would do it is if we meddled or if my stepmom cammy who you know played in two and won a gold and a silver that she did it with me mm-hmm. and we didn't win a medal and she said i was about 15 years too late to ask her to do that <laughs> anymore so i got my couple tattoos and i guess they're staying where staying at where i'm at right now so yeah but no i know a lot of people do it our captain here is the captain for the for the german team and he has it and it's cool but I you know I can't lie to myself now, so I guess I'm stuck. <laughs> There's the difference between a German hockey Olympian and a Canadian hockey Olympian. Yeah. You, you, the Canadians go to win the Germans at this point in time. It may be just gone to go, although that might be changing a little yeah, bit with competing. some of the players they're, they're, that are coming out of Germany. But that was that was the year that that was the year they won the bronze or the the silver though at the Pyeongchang. I so stand corrected. Egg all I got to give face. it to them. You, you do have to give it to them. To them then. That, they did well that tournament. Not not so much at this last one, though. No. But who am I to say? We were out <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> Landon, this has been an exceptional chat. Um, I I have really really enjoyed this. Uh, anything we missed? Uh, Iowa time? Anything that came up during our chat that you want to end to finish with? No, honestly, other than thanks for making my two years there, all the fans and staff and everyone. It was for two years that could have easily been ones that I push from my memory. There's lots of things that force their way in. So, nope, just thank you. Well, thank you, Landon. We really have enjoyed this, and uh, we'll look forward to continue watching your career, and best of luck as you keep it up in uh, Europe. All right, thank you very much. Thanks to Landon Ferraro for taking some time to chat with us there all the way from Cologne, Germany. Uh, we got the time difference correct. I'll tap myself on the back for mm-hmm. some uh, mathematical gymnastics that I did time to get that done. not our friend. We've learned uh, that this offseason. <laughs> yeah. Do we, do we want to share that? That's a good story. Like, we, yeah. didn't, we, didn't, we didn't post anything with no, it. No, no. Like, it is a good story. Yeah. Yeah. So... It's a great there's, tangent there's, to end the offseason. There's no way. With. There's no way to tell the story without us sounding like absolute idiots. Um, so schedule comes out. You know, we get the schedule a couple days in advance so we can prep and have everything ready to go. Schedule. <laughs> sch- <laughs> the schedule we get. It's all. It's. It's basically comes in like an Excel doc, and all the game times are. I'm. I'm gonna get this wrong saying it. They're all. All the game starts are, local puck drop times right so our home games are all in central time all of the uh the west coast games are going to be in pacific time mm-hmm. we're on the east coast the east coast time you see a lot of 7 7 p.m yeah you see a lot of it but it's not all the same based off of what our yeah. fans need to know from a viewing or a listening yeah. standpoint Just it's 7 so we got to yeah. change it so yeah so we gotta <laughs> we gotta do some math yeah. and listen i <laughs> i get time zones I actually, well, I don't, I don't, I don't, out I don't get them, but, uh, like I know either way we had to, 
we had to change a lot of the games in the counter. Obviously, we're playing Coachella, we're playing San Diego and San Jose, we're playing Grand Rapids. That's a time change. Uh, Colorado's a time mm-hmm. change. So I knew that we had to make changes. I just, for whatever reason, didn't click with me. I kept doing the math wrong where we're going to the West Coast. I was adding time instead of subtracting time. Yeah, we were just going the wrong way. We must yeah. have, when we're, put, we're sitting around the, the printable schedule, which everybody can get on the website, making sure all the dates and the times are correct. We must have gone through five, six versions maybe because it was, it was me. But you sent you sent kept, at least one to me. I kept me, getting them wrong. But you sent at least one to me to to check off just because as a lot of our businesses, it's nice to have a second set of eyes look at uh-huh. some of this stuff. And so you sent it to me and I and I didn't just float it and look off. Yeah. I mean, you know, this was I did I wanted to make sure that I gave myself a good 10, 15 minutes to mm-hmm. look over this, make sure I, I'm checking off with the AHL site times and more looking for just all oh, you know, typos more than anything. Yeah. And just completely checked off everything yeah. gave what, you they gave you the stamp approval looks good joey yeah like here's what i like here's here's the example Here, here's what i was doing so playing san diego to seven o'clock game i'm going okay in my head this is how i'm gonna kind of make it make sense so in my head i'm going all right california two hours behind where we are seven o'clock game time minus two hours five o'clock and then <laughs> which is just so wrong <laughs> it's just not even close to being correct and everybody was like, we're not playing a 5 o'clock game in California. Like, what, what are you doing? So, yeah, we had to go and fix it. I I don't know. And you've lived on both, both sides, coasts. Yeah. You've lived everywhere but the mountain time zone. So I zone. understand that time zones are a yeah. thing. I, yeah, it was just, there was a lot of back it was an and ugly forth. day. It didn't have to be. I think it would just be, like, put them all on Eastern time and let us do the math from there. I think it would be so much easier than... Some of them being in central, some of them being in this, some of them being in that. So it maybe just isn't that hard for most of the populace. It's probably we're not. in the we're in the, uh, the minority not. in that yeah. where we just for whatever reason we look at it and it looks like hieroglyphics to us. Yeah. I so not yeah, our, I'm glad not we our, got that out our, there. Not That's our good. proudest moment, but speaking of great moments uh, from the off season, let's reminisce briefly here as we finish up our our last outro for this being episode twelve. Uh, when you think back on the off-season that was of the Ride in the Bus podcast, what comes flooding back to you as shaky Richard Krause goes for a nice skate sharp, and we'll finish with that oh, in the that's, background. That's I like nice. That. That's, that's a good, good nat sound. Yeah. That's a good nat sound. Um, let's see. I mean, for me, I think the State Fair was a lot of fun uh, going. I love that sound. <laughs> God, that just means hockey. It so does. Close. Yes, it does. Um, the State Fair st- sticks out to me. I think us doing like that, that kind of live – wasn't live, but like the – the recording, just letting people walk by and, and, and hop on a headset was, was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the man on the street bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a lot of fun um, to, to kind of get in front of the camera and do some things like that with, you know, with people just walking around the fair. Um, I loved the, loved the conversation with Brett McLean. I think that might have yeah. been our, our best, not our best guest, but like just our best start to finish episode that we had the whole, the whole summer. Um, I would say if I had to round out like my top three guests that we had, the ones that I, I think we had the most fun with, I mean, McLean is definitely on there. I think Bill Guerin's on that list. And I really enjoyed the – I thought the Dakota Mermis one was great too. He had some I awesome was thinking stories. about the Mermis That uh, one sticks out. I don't know if that's a couple days it was ago. like one of our first. But, yeah, that one that one was a, was a lot of fun. The story with him in the manhole at the end was – 
and yeah. and the calling the, the, the cops. The calling from, the police station yeah. is one that I think and is hysterical. The, yeah, he gets uh, he gets a he gets a police station not even close to where he's yeah. at. Yeah, and it was just oh yeah, just just turn around and call again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that. So that one yeah. was one of my favorites. I know we've got a lot more stories with him too that we couldn't even get into. So he's someone I'm sure we'll chat with during the season. But to me, those are kind of the the moments that stand out the most. Oh, and winning all of our bets. Yeah, too. Yeah. I really enjoyed the the floor hockey bet. I thought that was that whole day and that whole game was, even though it ended on the wrong note for me. That was that was an, a fun experience. Yeah, just to have our own little game inside of the game that day. Mm-hmm. That was uh that was fun, and to get to share that with the fans too. And and, and too, I think, um, doing this show, jumping off. And we and we took our time to do it right. I, I I was grateful that we didn't just rush into it. We 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 obviously connected with Jeremy and he's an, an executive podcast. It came solutions. together quickly, but it we did. didn't rush it. Yeah, we didn't rush it, and and I've really just been very grateful. The, the fans seem to have received it well. We received some nice messages about it, um, and, and that that goes a long way with the people that listen. Uh, we, that that's who we're. That's why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, as much as we do enjoy sitting here and talking, and it's really enjoyable for us to talk to these players and these alumni and these hockey great hockey people. Um, but providing that level of enjoyment, providing fans something to nibble on hockey wise in the off season, was the goal from the beginning. And um, it, it seems like we've been able to accomplish that goal. And and we'll be excited now about how do we, how do we change it into more of an in the now podcast. Yeah. I think because this has been such a take a trip down memory lane and tell stories and not that we wanted to go away from that formula completely, but things will change. Topics and news will change when all of a sudden there's news being made the night before the, the next day you're playing two, three games a week. There's trades or there's moves or there's call-ups or there's send downs. And, and so there'll be, it'll be a different feel. I think when mm-hmm. we come back in October and that's exciting for me. Yeah. It'll still be, I mean, we still want to get, guys on and mm-hmm. hear stories from them because it is you want to get to know these players but at the same time it's it's a little different where you're looking in season and there's probably going to be a, not probably there will be a lot more of the hockey talk yeah because it's it's in season right it's if readily available a, if a guy's on a hot streak we want to hear about it what's he mm-hmm. what's he doing every day is he sticking is his game day routine is it exactly the same when he's on a point streak yeah. like is he changing anything up or um you know what are what are guys doing out in the community what are they doing to be involved because um, there's going to be a lot of that this year, so I, I think it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. Um, I don't think, I mean, for people listening, watching, there, I don't think there's a set schedule for us. Like, it's not like, oh, no. it's the second Tuesday of every month. Like, we're going to test our our listeners and our viewers. They're going to have to pay attention because yeah. it it will. You won't be able to just. Not, I guess there's been a couple times you couldn't rely on us coming out on a Tuesday, yeah, <laughs> Tuesday yeah. this week, but for the most part, or yeah. this mu- or this summer, but for the most part, you could. We'll have to, and not that we're just going to put it out on on Spotify, iTunes, and and not tell anybody mm-hmm. about it. We'll make sure that it gets out on our. You'll make sure it gets out on our social. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be a little more uh, hit hit and miss depending on just what the weeks look like and the travel schedules. But yeah. um, it'll be an, a fun opportunity for us to pivot and do things a little differently too, which yeah. I'm excited about. And again, we're aiming for one like one a month yeah. at, at least. But there will be, you know, there may be months where we can do more than that, um, and uh, maybe they end up being a little bit longer, just because we're gonna ha- we're literally we're gonna have guys with us, mm-hmm. so it's gonna be a lot easier to have those conversations and and have them run a little bit longer. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm ex- I'm excited for that to to get going for sure. To finish, Joey, there are plenty of things to be excited about, uh, our podcast included, but specifically more centered around. 10th anniversary season, um, 
there's so much that this year I think will be different that will be more uh, celebratory of year one or year five or year seven or year two, depending on how you want to look at it. It's going to be a year where we do take a look back and also get excited about what is coming for the next 10 years of mm -hmm. Iowa Wild Hockey as well. But if you were going to shout out or identify one thing that you're really excited about or that you just think this is going to be a really neat part of this season, if you can, I know there's a lot, what, what would you put your finger on? Yeah. Um, for me, I think it's the things that we haven't been able to do in the last couple of years. And that's like yeah. really be in the community with these players, with crash, like get out there and have that big presence that we're known for having. That's something that I'm really looking forward to because for so long, you know, with restrictions, we haven't been able to do that. And I think, I, I mean, I know so, certain guys in the locker room are itching to do that kind of stuff. They were itching to do it last year and we do it in their free time, um, like Dakota Mermis. So finding ways to get out and do different things, whether it's taking guys into schools, taking them to youth hockey practices, doing some of those big events like our golf tournament, our celebrity servers, you know, whatever it may be, doing all those fun things that everybody's so used to. That's what I'm really excited about as someone with a big community background. That's like the thing I'm probably looking forward to most. Um, but then, you know, just I think we're going to have a really good team this year too. Yeah. So, like, that's also very encouraging and very exciting where we know there's going to be a lot of talent, a lot of uh, a lot of offensive talent and some great goaltending on the back end too. So, like, I know – and I guess, it, I mean, really from top to bottom, I don't want to disregard the defensemen either. We got some high, highly touted defensemen coming in too. So, I think from top to bottom it's going to be great. It's Seeing some new teams come in is going to be fun. Um, Personally, I'm looking forward to San Jose coming in. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, those are kind of the, the big things that I'm looking forward to for this year. I agree with you on the community side. I mean, that's my answer, too, when you think about it. it it's interesting up at uh, development camp this summer, the first time in person with Tim over the summer, uh, or the rest had just been phone calls here and there, check-ins from May into, into June and then mm -hmm. into July until development camp came up. But he sat down at one point with me and said, we really – what whatever you need from us on the community side this year, just let like we're not that they weren't before, but mm -hmm. I, he clearly is thinking the same thing yeah. that you and I are thinking is this is an opportunity to jump right back into the community, which he had seen firsthand in his first two seasons here that, mm -hmm. that it was really important. And those were some seasons that had some huge community events, some huge community initiatives that were, were taken care of in the 1819 and the 1920 season. So he, he's all about it. He's been very vocal about that. And as you and I have been working through some community dates and I, we get it back to him, everything is absolutely, yes, definitely. Sounds great. This mm -hmm. is going to be awesome. So uh, that support is there from the hockey op side too, and that's exciting. And, and I agree that the team certainly is rounding out to look like one that could be exciting. And the the thing that jumps out to me too is, it will be a young team. I look at last year's team that its best hockey was October, November, mm -hmm. into December, and then for a, a myriad of reasons, things changed. Um, but this year's team with the youth on it, you may have a few more guys that Minnesota isn't necessarily thinking are ready to come up quite yet, so they might be a little more apprehensive about you might not lose some of these more counted-upon players. 
I remember the, you talk about the Connor Dewar loss last year, having him be such a, a frequent part of Minnesota, which is obviously what you want to see. Yep. It's, we've talked about it, the duality of you want to see your players succeed and get up to the National Hockey League, but then you're robbing Peter to pay Paul by doing that. Um, but I think this year it seems like some of the more of those core players, I mean, you think about like a Ryan O'Rourke, Damon Hunt, is Volstead really going to get a chance to be up there long term this year. It doesn't seem like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he obviously could, um, but you, you. I just think we might see and get to stick by some more of these counted upon players this year. Could Sammy Walker be a high end player at the American League level? Um, there's a lot of question marks that I think seem like guys that do have NHL pedigree but maybe it's not this year. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden then you're going to have those players that might take some lumps early getting acclimated to pro. But I've heard Tim talk about this with younger teams, and I've heard Mike Murray talk about this too. These teams that are younger to start, oftentimes they turn the corner in December and January, and those younger players that do have tons of skill, but you just haven't seen it yet because they're getting acclimated Mm -hmm. to the pace of play all of a sudden – they turn it on. I mean, I think about Ryan O'Rourke, who is not an offensive player by any stretch, but um, early on when he was here two seasons ago, my first year here, he struggled early. He'll tell you he struggled early. Uh, he was a minus player. And then right around, I mean, it would have probably been the first 10 games because he only played 33 games that sure. year, 34 games that year. But his last, boy, 17, 18 games, I mean, he was playing first minute. He was playing last minute. He was plus two, plus three, assist here. Assist, like he, he Which just, I think he I, just did this. And yeah. there's going to be a, a small handful to even maybe six, seven guys this year that I think could be on that same plane. Mm-hmm. That And who knows? They could jump out and be really good early too. But I just this team to me feels like one that could start doing this at the right time. And I think that's all you're trying to ask for out of any team is you want to be playing your best hockey at the right time of the year, something that – um, Iowa couldn't quite get going at the right time. They pushed. They had that great run to end April or into April last year, and then it unfortunately fizzled out probably in, in part due to some COVID positives that happened mm-hmm. at the end of the year, which we hope won't be an issue this year either, which might keep the team together a little more. I mean, you look at the team that played, I think it was right into January up in Winnipeg. It was it was half of them were Iowa Heartlanders players, and that's mm-hmm. all due respect to the Iowa Heartlanders, but it wasn't an AHL lineup that mm-hmm. night. Um, and that, that, that hurt a lot of the season because Minnesota had COVID, Iowa had COVID at the same time. We hope that we can just get back to just having injuries take players away yeah. from, from lineups because the double down of COVID and, and injuries last year was a huge thing that we're hoping to not have to obviously deal with this year for a lot of reasons. Yeah, you t- I mean, you <laughs> talked about the guys kind of turning that corner, but I think you're looking at guys like O'Rourke and Hunt, even first off, guys who have yeah, – Great they've point. Got, they've got – you know, they, they have those AHL games under them they're coming into this knowing, all right, now I know what the pace of play is, right? So it, it's already a, a little bit of a leg up as a quote-unquote rookie coming into the league, right? Mm-hmm. You're still going to have some of that, but I think the other big piece, which oh, the organization's done a great job of, is having a good core group of vets. You need those guys too because when you know, you get you know, your first, second-year guys who are still trying to find that footing, waiting to make that, you know, turn that corner, you then have the older guys you can lean on a little bit, not only on a production side, but you can also lean on them sure. from a, just a leadership standpoint in the locker room. Like, you know, the younger guys, you know, what, I can't figure out what's going on. You know, what am I doing wrong? What, what's what's happening here? They can kind of explain, you know, I've, I've been in your shoes. I've done this. You just got to kind of, you know, 
be a little bit more loose. Don't grip the stick so tight. You know, do little things here and there that could, you know, make all the difference. So having some 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 vets, you know, you guys like Mermis, I, I consider, you know, at this point Mason Shaw is one Definitely. of the vets. You know, Hicketts, Zane McIntyre. You're going to have guys throughout the lineup who are going to be important to lead on. Schuster, Patan, mm-hmm. you know, these guys are going to be big for us. So, um, yeah, it's exciting from top to bottom, I think. It should be a wonderful year. Uh, the 10th season of Iowa Wild Hockey in Des Moines is, let's see, is it a month away yet? It is just, we're just under a month, or I mean, just over a month away. For all, just over a month away. Yeah, f- yeah. I mean, by the time you're hearing this, we're going to be just a day yeah, out. So, a day out, so, or a yeah. month and a day out. So um, it, it, it's no more exciting a time than now. It's officially here. Your post Labor Day, the sprint is on, uh, and we're we're here for that sprint. That's for sure. Um, final thoughts on the final off season episode of Riding the Bus, Joseph. Just, <laughs> I don't know if I have too many final thoughts. I just I'm ready to get ready to get things going. Like I said, it is it is a sprint. Labor Day hits, and it's all of a sudden it's. Oh boy, we're five weeks away. It's let's let's crank it up and get it rolling. Um, it's a quick checkup on did you actually work over the summer or did you not? Yeah. Or did you just have fun? Yeah. yeah. No, when we yeah, it was definitely a work. It just it's every off season and I think you go through this in any organization, it's there's a lot of waiting and you're waiting for things to happen. So you can only prep for so long before things become real and we're at mm-hmm. the point where things have become real and now it's time to really get things moving. So we're ready to go. Hope the team's ready to go. And uh, I hope everybody enjoys the Landon Ferraro interview, too. I think we had a lot of fun doing that one. So Yes. I think that'll be good for people to hear. A big thanks to Landon uh, and, and all of our guests that we had on this off season from all kinds of different places. Uh, it was a, a really enjoyable summer of podcasting. Uh, a big thanks to Jeremy Core as well and Executive Podcast Solutions for getting us on the air uh, all summer long. And uh, he'll be helping us out as we continue to get this podcast out for the in-season edition coming up uh, in October. Also to Marquise Jones for doing our editing all summer long uh, and everybody that made the podcast possible. For Joey Goldstein, I'm Ben Gislason. A big thanks to you, uh, the viewers and the listeners, for tuning in, and we hope you'll keep tuning in as we knock out some episodes coming up in the fall. Until then, enjoyed this ride as we always do. We're looking forward to enjoying many more. This has been episode 12 of Ride the Bus, the official Iowa Wild podcast presented by Explore Minnesota. Joey. Two honks for the win. <laughs>